Praise the Lord. Welcome to Rising Generation Takeover Week. Hope you're excited. And for those of you watching us online, you're welcome as well. We're just going to take a quick moment to pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. Now, as we come at your feet to learn from you, we ask that you open our eyes that we will see the truth clearly. Open our ears that we will hear aright. And till the soil of our hearts that it will become receptive to the seed of your word. And that this seed will find good ground in us. Take root and bear the fruits for which it was sent. In Jesus' mighty name we've prayed. Amen. Um, just like we do every time before we start anything at Rising Generation, especially any teaching, we have this confession that we say. And um, this is how it goes. So you just repeat after me. This is the word of God. It is God speaking to me. My ears are attentive. My heart is receptive. As I'm taught the word, the seed of life will be planted. It will surely grow deep roots and it will produce its fruits in me. Amen. Awesome. So today I have something that God has put on my heart to just share with us. And um, it is something that in learning it and hearing and God teaching me, I have found that this is something simple, but yet it is so hard for us to accept as humans in our mind. And the topic for today is uncommon, right? So, you know, you have common things, but the topic is uncommon, right? And this is the basis for which that topic is. And I'll just read it to you exactly as uh, I have it here. It says, there's a higher calling, a seamless way of life that God has prepared for us who are his children. He has hidden it in Jesus Christ and in the spirit life. It is only available to those who are willing to become uncommon. It starts with the renewal of our minds to who we are in Christ Jesus and to an unwavering and uncompromising stand on the word of God. It is so simple because it is everything that we are about. And it would seem like this should just be the norm. But we should understand that the world we live in is more saturated with darkness than it is light. Is that correct? And I think there was one time I was actually talking to my wife about this. I was like, you would think, because you think a certain way, you know, you do things right, like you, you have a way of just thinking, oh, this is how everything should be. You know, you hear the word of God, you live like that. There's a tendency to think that that is how most of the world is. But that is actually not true. <laughs> You're the anomaly. You're the weird one. Most of the rest of the world is saturated in darkness. And the truth is we live in that system. Everything around us is built on a system that is darkness. To be uncommon. In a world where everything that is common is darkness. It is so important that as Christians, we renew our mind to understanding that we are uncommon. We are not of this world. We might be in this world, but we are not of this world. 
First Peter 2 chapter 9 tells us in the Passion Translation, it says, But you are God's chosen treasure, priests who are king, a spiritual nation. I like the way he says that, a spiritual nation, because so many of us, you know, American pride, Nigerians, we're Nigerians, all of these things. We get so caught up in our tribes, in our religions. We, we associate so much with that that we forget that we are actually a spiritual nation. Right? We're a spiritual nation. As a Christian, you're not, and, and I'm treading lightly here, you're not American in a sense. You're not Nigerian in a sense. You're not Ugandan in a sense. Rather, you're a member of the kingdom of God. And that is the nation of which you are part of. Right? It says, a spiritual nation set apart as God's devoted ones. He called you out of darkness to experience his marvelous light. And now he claims you as his very own. Right? He did this so that you will broadcast his glorious wonders throughout the world. Because here's the danger, is that you start to think that you are part of this world and you don't live the life that allows others to see that they are still in darkness. Right? We're a different breed. We're recreated spirit men. Right? We're not of this world. We're of the kingdom of heaven, joint heirs with Christ Jesus, citizens of God's kingdom and his arm here on earth. Right? Jesus explicitly said it in John 17, verse 13 to 16. Right? He said, I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world. He was talking to God, so that they, us, might know, might have the full measure of joy within us. In verse 14, he says, I have given them your word, and the word world has hated them. Right? Jesus gave us his word. And now the world hates us for it because we are no longer part of them, right? And in verse, it says, for they are not of the world anymore than I am of the world. This is Jesus speaking about those who he has entrusted his word to. We are no longer of the world. Just the same way Jesus lived here on this earth, but he was not of the world. He came down from heaven. So also we who have received his word of life, of truth, are no longer of this world, Right? He said his prayer, Jesus in verse 15 says, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, right? because this is where we are living, right? but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Right? So God is doing this process daily for his children. You're living in this world, but he's given to you his word daily, truth, that you will be pruned, purified, set apart, remain uncommon because you are not common like the rest of the world. And you're actually created to live a life that will let others know and yearn after that as well. Right? We are citizens of heaven. We're simply just like any ambassador, right? Countries have ambassadors. Right? An ambassador of America to Nigeria, even though he might be in Nigeria, now he is not a Nigerian. He's an American. Right? And he's every right that an American has, he has that. 
right? And as we go further, we'll begin to see why this is very important. We're citizens of heaven, and we should not, we cannot afford to let ourselves get entangled with this world, right? This world is actually perishing. Many of us don't live by that understanding, or maybe we don't want to, you know, come to that place that everything you're building, everything you're, you know, accumulating, everything you're, one day, it's all going up in flames. So why do we want to build treasures on earth? And that way we could actually build treasures. We could actually build long-lasting Then verse 15 says, And the voice came to him a second time. What God has cleansed and pronounced clean, no longer consider common, unholy. And we'll see, like, we don't need to read the rest of it, but you know that this was, after this, somebody came to Peter's house to invite him to come talk to the, um, the, I I forget the exact um, position he had, but he was a Gentile, basically. And Peter, being a Jew, but something happened there in that vision. God showed him something that God purifies. And once he does that job of purification, you're no longer common. You're not to be looked at the way a human, the, the typical human perspective, oh, we're just human. No, that's not it. You've been purified by God, set apart. You're no longer common. You're holy. Right? The kind of word that God used to describe himself, like I'm holy, he uses that same word to describe us. Plays, like he's been playing the same game since Jesus Christ left the earth. And this I was sharing with Alabasta during one of our practices. When you look at the Bible in the book of Acts, you see all the wonderful things that the early Christians were experiencing. And then it seems like Acts goes away and then Romans and all the letters. And it's because something happened to the early church that is still happening today. The devil is still using the same tricks. The basics. The basics. Because that's why Paul was writing those letters to the Romans. Don't you believe that you, you were, you were uh, saved by faith? All of these things that he's saying to the Ephesians, to the Galatians. Like, who fooled you? Like, how can you be going by faith and then now you go by works? Because something happened in the early church. They started allowing the deceit of the enemy to go into their mind. To forget the basic foundational truth. Right? That first, they are redeemed. They're no longer of this world. They've been set apart. God himself purified them. In Colossians 1, 12 to 14, it says, Your hearts can soar with um, with joyful gratitude when you think of how God made you worthy to receive the glorious inheritance freely given to us by living in the light. He has rescued us completely from the tyrannical rule of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom realm of his beloved son. For in the son, all our sins are canceled and we are released and we have the release of redemption through his very blood. 
right? These are some foundational things that we need to establish in us to let us remember every day that we are not like the rest of the world. You are redeemed. You've been saved by the blood of Jesus, by the power of God himself, not by anything that you did, but by a miraculous work on that cross. Things that we need to feast on every day, right? And then we'll see in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 16 to 17, this is what happens when you continue to meditate on those things. It says, so we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view, right? At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. People play on this so much. Because when you got saved, it didn't, like, nothing really changed. Like, you didn't grow a little, like, stronger physically. You didn't get, like, muscles. You didn't get, like, your hair did, hairline didn't all of a sudden become perfect. Like, nothing really seemed to change. But something amazing happened to you spiritually that day where you accepted God. When you accepted and believed in the sacrifice of Jesus, he made you holy, clean. He made you uncommon. And just like that revelation that he gave Peter on the roof, you are no longer like everybody else. You're no longer like everybody else, right? The reality is that we're no longer mere humans. We have a new life. And this new life we is that we are recreated spirits who are reconciled to God. We are made alive by the very life of his son, Jesus. We are so different from those who don't yet know Christ, right? We have received this life and been given the spirit of God himself, right? This perspective definitely has to change because if we don't change that perspective, if you don't start seeing yourself as a recreated man, right? A recreated man. And don't be afraid of the word man, right? Because we say we are men, we are men, and we consider it a weak thing. But Jesus was a man, right? He, he's the life-giving spirit, right? He's the second Adam, the life-giving spirit. Don't consider, I, people say it all the time, oh, I'm only human. That is, that, that is calling the creation of God common. You're only human? You are God's recreated human. A living temple where he dwells. The very life you live flows from the life of Jesus Christ. You're not like everybody else. Right? And I'm sure you know it. Once you start saying, oh, I'm only a human being, you allow yourself to become common. The things that everybody else can be subject to, you become subject to as well. All in the name of, I'm only human. I'm only a man. Whereas God has set you apart. Right? So the first thing is, we must get that perspective changed. We are redeemed. We are victors. We're no longer, we're no longer common. We're no longer saved. Because if this perspective changes... It empowers us. It empowers us to actually now go into this word of truth that God is committed to giving us daily and actually find the promises, the, the, the new life that we have. You know, it's like, it's like if we take a Nigerian, right? 
and we bring them to America, right? They could still live the way they used to live in Nigeria, in America. You know that. And they will not be able to take advantage of anything, not be able to use anything that belongs to them. They might be sick in their house. And because they have this understanding that, oh, this is, this is a, a big sickness, you know, and they're thinking, oh, I need money. I need all this stuff. I need, I need, and then they don't go to the hospital, not realizing that unlike Nigeria, you could just go to the hospital and they will provide you with care. They'll find a way. But in Nigeria, they can kick you out now. You don't have money. Right? So that mentality can cripple them where they won't even take advantage of what has been freely given. Because even though they are in this new place, their mind, the mindset hasn't changed. They have not seen themselves as part of this new place. Their mind is still trapped in that they're from Nigeria, whereas they're in America now. And this is, this is step further where you become empowered, where if your mindset changes, it empowers you. You actually now start spending time. It's like going to read the constitution of the country you're in and finding out all of the benefits, right? You have freedom of speech here, right? In, in America, I'm just using it as an example. You have freedom of speech, right? If you don't know that, you will always be coward. You won't say anything. You won't speak up. Whereas the Constitution wants you to speak up. If you don't know what the promises are for this new kingdom you're in, which is by going into the Word of God, you will not live that life, that uncommon life. You will still be living like everybody else. You will live like everybody else, and that's the truth. And it's just because your mindset hasn't changed. And if your mindset does change, you are empowered. God invites you, right? He invites us, right? Where it says, um, the Bible says, perfect love casts out fear, right? And it says, um, I, I'm going to paraphrase this because I, I don't exactly know how the, the verse goes. But it says, those that are still afraid are afraid because of fear of punishment, right? That scripture is telling us that if perfect love casts out fear, the fear of punishment, and God says, shows us his perfect love by sending Jesus to die on the cross to accept us that we have been redeemed, there should, be, there should no longer be any fear in us to come to him because all of our sins, all of our debt has been paid, right? So now we could go. He invites us. He says, come boldly to the throne of grace, right? And so if we now want to live this empowered life, no longer slaves, right? Because if we are uncommon, we live that life. And in that life, we're no longer slaves. People, right, are still trapped, enslaved by sin, death. But Christ has set us free. He has empowered us to live a different kind of life. That you could be here, but live a different life while you're here. Right? Let's look at Romans 8, 8 to 14. It says, Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we also live with him. Right? I think I'm reading a different translation. We know that since Christ was raised from the dead, I'm reading an ivy, by the way, Christ from the dead, he cannot die again. 
death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once and for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires, right? Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourself to God as those who have been bought, brought from dead to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument for righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master because you are, un, you are not under the law, but under grace. Oh, was I reading the wrong? Sorry. It says in the same way, as Christ was dead to sin, in the same way, count yourself dead to sin. Right? But alive in God. Not typical. Not common. Every other person is still trapped in sin. You are dead to sin, alive in Christ. Then the language that it says here is just amazing. It says, therefore, do not let sin. Do not let sin means you are now in charge. It says, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies. In other words, you are the one in control now. He empowers you right there. Right? In that place, I'm only human. Humans make all these mistakes. Ah, you know, it's just uh, it's the, it's the, it's the devil. It's, no, 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 no. Those excuses are gone. It says now that you, therefore, do not let, don't allow it. Don't even give it a chance. Don't let sin reign in your mortal bodies that you obey his evil desires. You're no longer common. You're no longer like the world. You can resist. You can make that choice. Right? Verse 13, another way, I love the language, it's brilliant. It says, do not offer any part of yourself. If you've been redeemed, you will still accept things. You will still live in a certain kind of way. But when the mindset changes and you go into the word and you start finding the promises, you will live free. You will live victorious. You will live empowered. Right? And um, <laughs> Romans 6, verse 12 to 14. Or maybe this one is the Romans 8, verse 12 to 14. But I'll just read it. It says, sin is a dethroned monarch. Yes, Romans 6, 12 to 14. Sin is a dethroned monarch. So you must no longer give it an opportunity. Oh, I, this is in TPT. No longer give it an opportunity to rule over your life. Controlling how you live and compelling you to obey its desires and cravings. So then, refuse to answer its call to surrender your body as a tool for wickedness. Instead, passionately answer God's call to keep yielding your body to him as one who has now experienced resurrection life. Right? You live now for his pleasure, ready to be used for his noble purpose. Remember this, sin will not conquer you, for God already has. 
You are not governed by law, but governed by the reign of the grace of God. That is, that is our life. That is the life that we have as, as the uncommon. Right? If this uncommon life, we have to let go of a lot of them. We have to really cut off from a lot of things. We have to really become... And I, and I, I, I like it because we, they, somebody said it in Believer's Meeting yesterday, like a living, a quite living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. That's the life of the ungarment, right? No longer enticed by the world, but rather passionately following the pursuits of God. Beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? This is the answer. It says to surrender yourselves to God, to be his sacred living sacrifices and live in holiness, experiencing all that delights his heart. This is, this is, the, this is the response. This is now our life. This is, the, this is the way of life now, right? For this becomes your, ex, your genuine expression of worship. Verse 2 says, stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you. Right? Again, look at the language. Stop imitating. Because why? You have a choice now. You, you have been empowered now to no longer do this. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. Right? This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. Right? Ephesians 5, 15 to 20 tells us, it says, be very careful then how you live. Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ beautiful life this is such a beautiful life and it's the life that God has prepared that awaits each and every one of us right we've been empowered given all the tools that we need everything that we need to live this life Christ did the work on the cross to get us out bring us into his kingdom giving us his word Right? Giving us his word of truth so that we can understand everything in this new life. Right? And he equips us. Oh, thank you. He equips us with all of these truths. Right? Since we're not of this world, it is important to know that we are like sheep living amongst wolves. We have. He equips us even in those truths so that we can live here. He doesn't, like, his plan is not to take you out of this world. His plan is to give you everything you need to live here and be his witness. Right? If we read 2 Peter 1, from two, um, 3 to 4, it says, By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. Right? We have received all this by coming to know him the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. 
And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us a great and precious promise. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. You have to love God. It, like he quite literally gives us everything we need. Right? As Christians, we should not cower. As believers, we should not cower to the world. Because we have been equipped with everything to stand out from the world. Don't let the enemy entice you, pleasures of the world, with this flesh desires to make you now succumb again to that life. Right? We're uncommon now. We don't live like that. We've been empowered to live differently. We have the spirit of God and the life of God, right? We have a different source, right? I said everything that the world offers, right, is, in, is inbuilt in darkness, right? But we, as uncommon, we have a different source. And that in itself changes the way we operate, right? Because it's God that gives us all we need, for life and godliness. We don't look to the world's systems, right? We don't look to what the world is offering. We don't look to what the world calls good for us to accept that as well. We have only one source now, and that source is God, right? And we'll see this in the life of Jesus. In Matthew 4, 3 to 4, he says, during that during that time, the devil came and said to, this was Jesus in his temptations. He says, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread, right? Look at Jesus' response. He says, no, the scripture says, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. The world wants to tell you that money is all that matters, so go, go and work. 24-7, do all that. But Jesus' response there tells you, it's not just that. It's actually every word that comes from the mouth of God. Work, you go work. So if God says, sit down and study your Bible, you sit down and study your Bible. Because we have a new source, we no longer let the world dictate to us what we do. We live differently now. We live by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Written in the Bible, spoken by his Holy Spirit through, through Rama to you. We live by every word, right? And it's not just enough to hear the word. It is very important to believe the word. To believe the word, right? This is, a, this is another distinction of the people who are uncommon. Right? There's those who the mindset is still in darkness. Right? There's those who mindset has changed, but they go into the word. And then many go in and hear the word, know the truth of the word, but do they believe it? Do they actually believe it? Because you could read the word, read the word, read the word, but if it is, doesn't settle in your heart and become part of you, believing it in your heart, it doesn't produce anything, right? You still, you're still subject to what the world has to offer, 
They just need to heat up the situation hot enough. Right? If we remember the three Hebrew boys, they said, bow down to this statue. They said, no, we're not bowing down. And then they finally staked their claim. I love the way they did it. They said, we're ready to die, right? We have to live by faith. Right? The just, the justified ones, the holy ones, the uncommon ones, their way of life is a life of faith. Faith comes in a heart that responds to the utterance of God. They live by the word and they believe it. That is the life of the justified, the uncommon ones. They live by every word. Faith is in God alone. In the world systems, because around us is like it's all we see. Quite literally, it's all we see. It's all we're surrounded by. It has to be. But, but no. There's a different way. And that way is by every word that God speaks. It's by faith in everything that God says. Right? And a lot of us as Christians, we, we, we kind of straddle this area, you know, there's some things that we already believe. And truthfully, if you examine your life, the things you already believe, they quite literally work for you easily. Like, I'd invite you to do a study of your own life. Think about the promises of God that you believe, that you actually believe. Think of areas in your life where things are just happening. Like, they just seem to be, like, easy. You, you, you've believed God in that area, and it just works. I, um, my supervisor was like, oh, I told him, like, I'm not feeling great. He was like, yeah, that's the, that's the effect of the second dose. He was like, you, just, you could just go home. And I was like, you know what, I'm, going to, I'm actually going to go home, take a nap. And while I was about to sleep, I was talking to God. I was like, God, like, ah, this headache is much now. And as, as, as we were there, I was actually telling you see this the other day. As we were there, God just brought it back to me. It was like a picture of me sitting down there just like reading all the, all the stuff. And God was like, I mean, you fed yourself with that. That's, the, that's what you quite literally listened to. That's what you saturated your mind with. So what did you expect? And I was like, ah. I became common. I allowed myself, right? You could, right, as a Christian, and that's why I said I love the language that the Bible uses. It's you. You could allow yourself to become common again, and that is a place you don't want to be. You want to be on God at all times. I, I, I invited the, the side effects into my own life by myself. And then I was like, so what should I do? I was, I was going to, like, see all the scriptures, but then I, I, I remember that same week, I think in Believer's Meeting, somebody had said something that it's not just the scriptures you know that you just say anytime. It's the scripture that God speaks to you, the one that he tells you. That's the one you use. 
And I was laying there, and this scripture came to me. It says, it is God make it rich and doesn't add sorrow to it. That is not a healing scripture in any way, at least to, the, to my mind. But that was the scripture that came to me. It says, God makes rich and doesn't add sorrow to it. And I was like, God, I'm not trying to be rich right now. I just want this headache to get away. And then the understanding came because I was like, I don't understand. And the understanding came. He says, if this vaccine is supposed to, he's given you. And I was like, ah, okay, I see. All right. So I guess this vaccine is going to work for me. I'm only going to get the good from this vaccine because that's all there is for me. Only good here. And I was like, God, so what should I do now? I was going to go take a shower. So, you know, just calm myself down because I was hot. He said, just sleep. When you wake up, you'll be fine. I said, what about the shower? He said, just sleep. And I slept right there for like one hour. And I woke up. The moment I woke up, I knew it was gone. I knew. I woke up and I was like, ah, that was nice. Right? Not just God, give me this. God, give me that. But more so like, God, I want to just spend time with you. God, I just want to be in your presence. I just, want to, I just want to fellowship with you, right? Because this is a side to God that a lot of us don't want to attribute, is that God says he's a jealous God. He won't even share his glory with anybody, right? But he's a jealous God. He paid such a high price for us, and many of us do not even give him time. Right? We don't give him time. And I'm not saying time in that you go do your quiet time in the morning. Most of our quiet time is, uh, is transactional, truthfully. Most of us live a transactional life with God. God, I'm going to study. I'm going to study your word so that I could be, you know, I won't be broke. I, I'll have all that I need. God shall supply all my needs according to. We love all the scriptures where it's just like God is giving us stuff. God is protecting us. How many of us actually seek him? Not for anything, but just to spend time with him. Right? Because there'll be a time where we're no longer having to ask for what we need or all these things. Right? Start to live that life now. And he really wants us to. Truly uncommon, right? And I said, like I said, there's, there's like levels to these things. Like we can get to that place where it's no longer about needs and wants. It's not about that. It's just about fellowship. It's just about fellowship. Right? Where, where, where you could, <laughs> this is the kind of place where like I think the Psalms are born. Right? where someone could be fellowshipping and, and their words start to come out where it says like, as the deer pants for the water, my soul, like, it's a place of fellowship. Right? You love. To love, you have to know. To love, you have to have spent time. Like, you want to obey God, you want to do all these things, you want to live a, you have to love God. And that takes you spending time with him, fellowshipping with him. Come to know him. Don't obey God because you think he's going to, that you won't get the things that you want to get if you don't obey God. You know, so, you know man, a lot of Christians, the reason why they don't sin is because, 
<laughs> it's because God will not do what. And then what, what kind of life is that? What kind? What? Why? You don't really love God. You just love what he wants to give to you. But he says loving him, it's loving him that empowers you to obey his commandments. Right? 16 and 17 says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another Savior, the Holy Spirit of truth, he will, who will be to you a friend just like me. He will never leave you. The world cannot receive him because they can't see him or know him. But you know him intimately because he remains with you and will live inside of you. Fellowship. He's there. Right? He's there. But we, we ignore. We don't even spend time. We, it's, it's about getting. Right? I'm looking for this scripture where it says, uh, I think maybe I didn't put it here. Or I'll just, I'll just paraphrase it. Right, that scripture says that I and the Father will come and make our home with you. I, I must have. It's something that God wants us to do in a sense of that he wants us to desire him. Right? Oh, thank you. John 14, 23. Jesus replied, yes, anyone who loves me will obey my teachings. My Father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. Right? The scripture I read before says, loving him empowers you, empowers you to obey his commands. Right? But anyone who loves him will obey because you know him. Right? You know that his plans and purpose for you is not evil. You know his character. You know who he is. You know that outside of him is complete darkness. So why would you want anything else? Right? And 23 tells us, he says, my father will love them. As you love God, as you love Jesus, you're fellowshipping with him. He says, we will come. You see that that one is conditional. Right? It says, you will love him and you will obey him. And then the father will love you too. And then come and make his home with you. Right? And Jesus and God, they themselves as well, now come and live in you, with you as well. Honestly, I, I titled that passage of the scripture, the Hall of Fame. Because it just goes down the list of like people. It says, um, these are the people like, it goes by faith, by faith, by faith, this person, by faith, this person. And we know the justified live by faith. So these are uncommon people, right? By faith, these people did amazing things. These people knew amazing things. Think about Noah, right? God told him, ah, this is God, the one who created everything. And then he tells you something. Like he comes to you and he tells you. He's talking to you. Abraham, God talking to him. Hey, I'm, He said, will I do such a thing and not tell my friend Abraham? And you know that there's other people that believed in God. But there's a level of fellowship where it becomes 
like, I, I, don't, I don't yet have the word because even myself, I'm trying to attain. You're wrapped up like he's your entirety. I, like Paul can say, like, he, it's better for him to, like, it's okay if he dies, but he will stay for the work that God has called him to do. But if he would die and go be with the Lord, it's way better. Because he has tasted it. How much more when it becomes full, complete. See that not only takes the empowerment and the, and the, and the equipping that God has given you in his word and all these things, but, but elevates you to a different plane of operation. Like you, you're living differently. And that's, that's a place that God wants us to come to. So to be uncommon is to love God, love the Lord Jesus, make him a priority in our lives by first accepting the sacrifice of Jesus so that we can receive that free gift of redemption, right? Don't let the enemy deceive you into thinking you belong to the world in any way, right? Especially after you've surrendered your life to Christ because you don't. Right, But rather allow yourself to be renewed daily in your understanding that you don't belong to the world. You belong to Christ Jesus. You have been redeemed to true life. Not only have you been redeemed, you have been equipped to that life, to live that life. You've also been empowered with everything you need. Right? And you've been invited to a life of fellowship. A hunger. That is really my prayer. That God will create in us a hunger. A hunger for his word, for truth, and for fellowship with him. That is what will set us apart. That is what will keep us uncommon. Let us pray. Father, we just thank you for this word. We thank you for the truth that we have received. We ask that by your spirit, you will teach us more. Let the word be revealed in our hearts unto understanding that the light from this word will illuminate every dark area in our lives and that by your power, you will create in us a hunger, a hunger for you, for your word, for truth. And Father, you would draw us close to you for no man can come to you except you draw them. Father, draw us close to you that we might live this uncommon life and experience all that you have prepared for us and be witnesses for your kingdom even on this earth. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen.